Welcome to the Living in the Future podcast, where we bring to light specialized topics from life in the modern age. Today I'm talking with Mike Mason. He is in charge of the Call of Cthulhu line of tabletop role-playing games for Chaosium and is the co-writer of the current edition of the game. Mike, uh, I know you've had a long history with the game of Call of Cthulhu. Can you tell me a little bit about the history of the game and your history with it? Yeah, sure. Hi. Uh, yeah. Um... Yeah, the, uh, well, Call of Cthulhu, um, the tabletop role-playing game, um, was first published in 1981 uh, by Chaosium um, and was uh, created and written by Sandy Peterson. And um, it kind of came out uh, as that kind of second wave of uh, kind of role-playing games after the kind of initial kind of games like Dungeons and Dragons, RuneQuest, Traveller. Uh, and was in the kind of that next wave and into the early 80s when uh, role playing was really kind of finding its feet, uh, you know, being a very kind of popular pastime uh, with people. Um, so it's uh, it's um, it's getting on for whatever it is, 35 plus years now. It's been in print continuously um, and it's gone through um, a few kind of iterations. The game has never really significantly changed in terms of its gameplay or scope. Uh, over the years um, it's um, currently on its seventh edition uh, which is probably the most you know dare I say radical sort of shake up to the actual mechanics of the game even though uh, it's really not that radical um, but in terms of previous editions uh, which were really just refined very small refinements on on the game over the years um, and it's a game that's birthed um, a number of kind of quite well-known um, products and adventures and so on in the kind of role-playing community. Uh, things like uh, Masks of Nyarlathotep, which is um, probably one of the first real kind of uh, globe-spanning campaigns, immersive campaigns for tabletop role-play. And uh, when it was released at the time, was uh, received many awards and uh, has become kind of known as the kind of the you know the templates and the kind of blueprint for what a, a role-playing game campaign um, you know could be and should be um, and we've actually just recently uh, brought that up to date and revised that in a new edition of the uh, of the Masks of Nathotep uh, for the for the current edition of the game but there's been you know supplements and and so on and adventure collections and the thing about the history of the game of Call of Cthulhu, it kind of you know, it, it mirrors one of the attractions to the game is that while um, you know the kind of the main gameplay or focus of the game posits itself in the kind of the 1920s 1930s kind of era of uh, America with prohibition and, and whatnot, um, which is a time that um, Lovecraft and other horror and weird fiction authors are writing the kind of tales that the game is inspired from. Um, the game can be played in any setting. So indeed, the modern edition of the Call of Cthulhu rules, it focuses on the 1920s, but also includes modern day play. Um, but the game is known for having great settings. So uh, Victorian gaslight and, uh, and um, the Wild West and, 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 all, and, and, and many points in between as well. Um, so it's quite a diverse game uh, in terms of uh, the scope of its play. In terms of um, my kind of history with the game is uh, I, I've i been role playing since about 1979, I guess, starting out with uh, D&D and, and, and moving through things like you know, RuneQuest and so on. Um, and I kind of discovered the game through a friend in about 1982. 
Um, and I've, I've always been a, um, a big kind of a fan of uh, horror and sci-fi fiction and films. And um, so when um, when I first sort of saw Call of Cthulhu, I didn't I didn't know what Cthulhu was or how to pronounce it. And um, but in, in kind of reading the book and, and, and playing the game, I kind of discovered that this this was exactly the kind of thing I I kind of not known that I was looking for that this was a this was a game primarily based around horror about mysteries um, and it was set in a in you know technically the real world it was set in a, in a in a world that was very familiar to me I didn't have to go and learn about some fantasy land and about different races of peoples and and so on and uh, you know I could just set it in a I could set it in my hometown in the library. And I was ready to go. And so were the players because it was a very accessible game because of that. Um, so I, I've been playing the game since, you know, since then. Um, and um, around the late, well, I guess around the mid 1990s, um, I was writing more scenarios and uh, attending conventions and running Call of Cthulhu games. And, um, and I, uh, basically I got to know quite a few other kind of you know, Call of Cthulhu keepers and GMs at conventions and uh, had the idea to kind of basically kind of form a little kind of organisation of uh, people that wrote scenarios and, and ran them at conventions and, and created what was called the Cult of Keepers. And we would basically go to different kind of uh, European conventions, put on events, uh, Cthulhu games, tournaments and so on. And we kind of built up a bit of a reputation and a bit of a following and um, had a great time, you know, running and and, and discussing, you know, scenario ideas with uh, like-minded people. And uh, so it was around that time I was also um, publishing and editing a, a small press fanzine for the game, uh, which was called The Whisperer, uh, which again put me in touch with, uh, you know, companies like Chaosium, the publisher of the game, and, and other authors and artists. Um, and from that, um, I started to do a bit of freelance work for Chaosium in terms of a bit of editing here and there, a bit of writing, um, which, uh, you know, fast forward a few years, uh, got me to the point where I, myself and a friend of mine, Paul Fricker, uh, we, we were chatting to Chaosium and um, we suggested it was time for a new edition of the rule book. And, um, and Chaosium turned around and said, yeah, we think so too. Would you like to write it? So we went, well, yeah. <laughs> So uh, then um, while we were all both doing, you know, full time day jobs, we we um, then wrote the what would become the seventh edition of the game. Um, on completing that, um, I was then offered uh, to come and work for Kersin full time as the, the line editor for Call of Cthulhu to kind of manage the line, you know, be the lead writer and uh, and uh, commission and find, you know, new works for it. So and that's what I've been doing for the last Oh, five plus years, I think. So um, that kind of, in a nutshell, kind of brings you up to date, I guess. I mean, it's, it, your hobby became your job. I, that's that's supposed to be the dream, right? That that, that is that is uh, entirely true. And I, and you know, hand on heart, it is it is my dream job in that regard. So I, you know, I enjoy every day, and uh, it's a very varied kind of job because um, each book is different that we do, each product, each game, each scenario. Is very different and you're working with a diverse uh, group of uh, creative people you know internally and externally uh, with the, the freelance community so it's, it's always engaging and always interesting what are some differences between the seventh edition and the previous editions 
Yeah, I mean, um, seventh edition. Fundamentally, the the core mechanics are, are remain the same. So, Call of Cthulhu has always been a percentile system where you roll uh, a d hundred uh, pair of dice, uh, and and basically you you have a you have a series of skills, which are all out of a hundred. So, if you've got sixty percent in climb, you know that you're above average with your climbing ability. And uh, rolling a percentile dice, you roll equal to or under your skill level. That would be 60 in this case. And if you roll under it, you know, equal or under, then you've passed a test, basically, and, and, uh, and move forward. Um, so that kind of fundamental mechanic has, has always been there, and that remains. What we did in 7th edition was to add some uh, uh, degrees of um, levels of uh, mechanics to that. So... Um, where before it may have been a straight pass or fail, uh, with a you know potentially a zero one being a critical success, uh, we added in uh, levels of difficulty, levels of success. So half your skill, so sixty, that would be thirty, is now what would be called a hard roll because it's a it's more challenging task perhaps. So you're asking for a hard roll where you're rolling at one half of your skill, and then there's kind of a then there's a third one, which is an extreme roll, which is one fifth of your skill, which would be obviously 12 in this case of 60. And um, therefore kind of near impossible tasks or, you know, very, very hard, lots of things against you. And so it kind of just creates these degrees of difficulty, which uh, are quite useful in the game to, you know, to, um, you know, to determine, you know, uh, the kind of tension in the game and the and the, the, you know, the difficulty of what's uh, of what's what's happening um we also introduced uh, a mechanic called pushing the role um because obviously with a, with any game when you when you've got a target number you can obviously fail that target number uh and obviously and sometimes it's quite pronounced in a d100 system where you maybe just fail by by one die you know by one die so maybe you're you're rolling against 60 and you roll 61 and you fail the roll um, so pushing the roll uh, allows you to uh, technically have a second attempt at the roll, but rather than just you know straight oh we'll try it again because it's a horror game and it's about tension, um, we we have pushing the roll where you can have a second attempt, but you have to justify what additional risk or effort you're doing to achieve you know to achieve your goal, and alongside that that means if you're putting in additional effort. Uh, it means the the outcome for failure is that much worse. So as an example, if I've got strength 60 and um, I'm trying to uh, batter down a doorway, I have a go and I you know hit the doorway really hard and I roll my dice and I roll 65 and fail the roll. Um, I could try and push the roll and my justification might be well I take a I take a you know a, a number of back steps. And then I throw myself with all my might, take a running jump at the door and just throw myself at the door to hopefully batter it down. So as you can see in that example, I'm, I'm taking bigger risk. I'm, I'm, I've got more chance that I could injure myself uh, and make noise and so on, which justifies the pushed roll. So I take a roll again. And if I pass it, then hopefully I've broken down the door and everything's good. If I fail it, then the... The, the, the failure is that much worse so you know perhaps I have injured myself or perhaps I have battered down the door but in doing so I uh, battered down the old lady that was stood behind it or I made such a noise that the monster down the corridor has heard me and is going to come and get me so it could be you know it's whatever is appropriate to the to the, uh, to the to the scenario you're playing but as you can see because it's a horror game um, 
pushing the role, you know, is a basically license to push the tension and push the horror. Um, so that's a couple of things. The, the other kind of things we did was to streamline the combat system. Um, Call of Cthulhu is based on the basic roleplay system that uh, was uh, created with the first edition of RuneQuest by Kersian back in the day. Um, and one of the criticisms for Call of Cthulhu has been in earlier editions that, that you can get a situation where you've got two com combatants who keep missing each other. They just basically keep missing their roles. And you have a combat where that goes on and on with nothing happening, which is not particularly realistic. Um, so... Um, what we did was to move combat from a kind of me-go-you-go role to an opposed role, which meant that, you know, the majority of the time, somebody will win the opposed role, which means something then happens in combat. You know, somebody will get injured or get a, get a, an upper hand of some way. So, again, a lot of the um, uh, changes in 7th edition are kind of technically kind of refinements to the existing rules to kind of streamline street, uh, gameplay, uh, try and even out some mechanics that are a little bit wonky, uh, and just provide a greater kind of clarification. And um, what we did, apart from the actual mechanical changes, with the whole rulebook, we actually rewrote the whole rulebook from the uh, from the ground up, so it would be more um, more welcoming to new players, essentially, because it it be it had grown to be quite a kind of cumbersome tome with information spread across multiple places. So in rewriting it, we were able to kind of condense the information. Uh, make it flow much more logically in terms of explaining the rules and we're able to put in uh, many more kind of examples of play to outline if there's a particular rule that's a little bit kind of uh, difficult to grasp to, grasp, to uh, put in you know good examples of play that kind of outline and talk through you know how that mechanic works within the game so that's really the kind of the key kind of refinements in seventh edition there are obviously lots of little tweaks here and there and whatnot but uh, but ultimately, it was all about basically keeping the game the same. So the gameplay experience that has always been very strong and very successful with Call of Cthulhu, keeping that still, uh, but trying to just enhance it and build upon that and strengthen it with the with the new edition. And how did you come to these new rules? Did did you play test them? How do you play test them? What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, um, so as I say, it was myself and Paul Fricker who were who were writing and, and revising the rules. And so it would start out, you know, one or both of us would, you know, we're discussing, you know, we're discussing all the kind of mechanics of the game as we went, you know, what what worked fine, what what was an issue that we might need to look at and so on. And uh, and we would basically, you know, between us write, you know, whatever the 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 uh, the area would be. And then uh, we would both individually go up and play test it with our, you know, our gaming groups try that, then come back, feed back to one another, further refine it, say if it's working, say if it's not really working or is a problem, and just keep refining until the point where we felt we had a kind of a, a more or less cohesive rule set. And then at that time, what we did was to announce that we were working on the, the new edition, and we invited um, people from around the world to, uh, to playtest it. So we had um, I think it was over 100 groups around the world, you know, US, Europe, England, Australia, and so on, um, who volunteered with their home groups to, you know, take a take the draft kind of rule set and really, uh, you know, give it a go with some scenarios and, and such on that we supplied, and um, and then all that feedback came in, which as you can imagine, from a hundred plus playtest groups for a complete rule book uh, rule set, was quite a lot of feedback. 
Uh, so uh, we uh, then spent some time obviously going through everything that came back to us and collating that because obviously some feedback all fell into the similar kind of patterns. And from that, we were able to kind of, you know, pick out where we thought there might be issues or where issues arose that we didn't think there were, uh, where, you know, where things are working just fine. So we, were, so we could then go and, you know, target down on, on issues that were still remained and fix those uh, until we had a kind of a, a rule set that was, you know, we felt had been, you know, thoroughly play tested. People had uh, given us good positive feedback about and felt we were in the position to then, you know, say that that's, you know, that's a final draft. Uh, to uh, to be able to kind of um, give to Chaosium to uh, to then produce. You touched on this earlier, but what are some differences in play if somebody is or and themes if somebody is seen or heard about Dungeons and Dragons? What's the difference between Dungeons and Dragons and Call of Cthulhu? Yeah, well. Dungeons and Dragons is kind of embodies, you know, the kind of the baseline for role playing in many people's eyes in that in that most, you know, many games follow a very similar pattern in that it's about you start with a, a fairly, um, you know, a powerless hero of some kind. Um, and through the course of adventures, your character grows in power, improves their skills and abilities um, and acquires uh, powers, wealth, or magical items, or whatever it may be. So, effectively, by the end of the game, you have you have created a much more powerful character. Call of Cthulhu was the first game um, to really turn that all on its head, because in Call of Cthulhu, it's not about the acquisition of power. It's uh, if if anything, it's the acquisition of knowledge, um, but that knowledge is ultimately corrupting and uh, disempowering so in call of cthulhu because you're not you're not playing you know a barbarian who ends up being the war chief you're playing a librarian or a private detective or a an office worker or a policewoman or, or whatever it may be who's a normal human being and normal human beings don't you know i've, I've never met a 10th level librarian when i go to the library they're all librarians uh, they may be, you know, they somehow may, may have more experience and therefore you might equate that to a better skill level. Uh, but that's about it. Uh, they certainly don't get tougher. They certainly don't, you know, it doesn't take anything more to injure them than, than a, you know, than a, a newly recruited librarian, let's say. So Call of Cthulhu mirrors that. So the characters in the game are humans. They are, they are quite weak. Uh, they're very easy to kill and injure. Um, and, um, as you progress through the game, your character, while you may improve your experience and skills, um, your ability to withstand shocks and the mental trauma of uh, the Cthulhu mythos, which is a you know an inhuman uh, uh, nebula of knowledge and truth, um, ultimately corrupts your mind as well. So uh, the, the outcome for many Call of Cthulhu investigators is death, insanity, or a very quiet um, retirement in, you know, in some peaceful, peaceful place to forget about the horrors that they have encountered during the gameplay. Um, so it's very much in that sense. I equate that to being a much more heroic game than than perhaps fantasy games, because fantasy games, it's fairly easy to, you know, to grow in power and call yourself a hero as you loot a dungeon and kill people and monsters to loot their treasure. Whereas in Call of Cthulhu, you're playing a normal person against forces that are 
far, far greater and heavier and unbalanced against you. And so any kind of um, uh, uh, success is, is significant. And so in a sense, you know, because you are a weak human, your actions are much more heroic. So I think it's quite an heroic kind of game in that sense, because you're playing people with no recourse to much in terms of resource or, uh, or skill uh, who are standing up against, you know, inhuman odds um, and trying to win the day. Um, so for me, that's that's quite a heroic thing. <laughs> so uh, um, but but essentially, if you take something like Dungeons and Dragons and turn it on its head, that's what Call of Cthulhu is. So for somebody who's never played a role playing game before in just a short back of an index card description, what does that look like? And what does it look like playing Call of Cthulhu specifically? Sure. Um, Call of Cthulhu is a game about mysteries, secrets, mysteries and and uh, ultimately horror. Um, so if you are the kind of person that likes Sherlock Holmes or watches cop programs, detective fiction um, and um, are engaged by a mystery, then Call of Cthulhu is the kind of game for you because it is about plots. It's about it's about secrets and uncovering secrets, um, doing that through research, which could be you know speaking to people, looking through books, observing whatever it may be to build information, to build a picture, uh, which ultimately will reveal some kind of secret plan or something that's happening under the surface and then find a way to um, combat it in some way. Um, and when I say combat it, that doesn't necessarily mean fight it. It could mean uh, finding the right arcane law to dispel what's happening. It could be, you know, causing enough problems that, that, it, that it becomes too troublesome to continue. Uh, it could be, you know, working with the authorities to try and get the mad cultist arrested or whatever it may be. Um, and equally, it could be that you've got to, you know, gun them down, perhaps, if there's a bunch of, you know, cultists who are trying to destroy the city or whatever it may be but there are a number of ways um, and solutions to call a Cthulhu scenarios in the, in the main um, so it appeals to kind of uh, intellectual play in that sense uh, that, that there are problems to be solved that can't be solved with just you know pulling out a sword or a shotgun um, you know there are con and because there are consequences because we're playing in a mirror of the real world you can't just walk down the street and, and go and you know punch someone let alone shoot them without there being consequences you know the police will come after you uh, and so that's that's mirrored in the game so you are within the bounds uh, of society in that way but ultimately in a nutshell it's a game of mystery horror and investigation and if and if any of those appeal to you, then it's, it's the kind of game that you should give a try to have you seen much play of Call of Cthulhu on the online sites as much as in person or? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Call of Cthulhu is, 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 um, is very sort of strident on the online uh, play side, uh, you know, uh, and with numerous, you know, numerous groups, you know, whether they're kind of, um, you know, close knit, close knit groups of friends using Google Hangouts or Skype or whatever. Uh, to uh, platforms like, you know, Roll20 or Fantasy Grounds, which have dedicated, you know, Call of Cthulhu um, play aids and so on that kind of facilitate the game on their sites. Um, and if you go to any kind of Call of Cthulhu forum, 
uh, on the net, uh, you will find requests for people looking for players for online games or people looking to you know join an online game. So it's, it's pretty big. Uh, in fact, I just um, uh, a couple of weeks ago came back from Seattle where I actually ran an online game, uh, well, a streamed game, I should say, for the uh, the Penny Arcade crew, uh, which was uh, which was great fun to be honest, and uh, uh, we all had a blast. But um, but yeah, so you know, online play, um, streaming games, uh, games that are recorded and and then uh, you know thrown out on podcasts. There are numerous groups and numerous people doing so. Um, and, you know, you only have to go to, you know, your podcast feed or uh, YouTube and put in Call of Cthulhu games. And, and there will be hundreds of uh, various groups running running their games for you to listen in on. Um, so it's very vibrant in that way. And, um, you know, I, I use online play uh, a fair bit where I can. You know, it's, it's um, you know, in one sense, it's not necessarily... Um, a um it doesn't it's not quite the same as playing around the table with you know people face to face it's a different experience but it's not far off that experience so as i always say to people if you can't if you haven't got a group at home and and you want to play then play online because you know it's better to play something than play nothing so you know just play because at the end of the day you're still you know you'll enjoy whatever experience you have hopefully um so uh you know encouraging online play is you know is is important and um and it is great to see people from around the world playing with people in their groups they would never meet face to face and never you know people you know playing you know person in america person in poland person in germany person in england you're all playing in the same group you would probably never ever meet you know at a convention or, or in real life getting to know each other and building friendships through the game is is just fantastic i i did see that uh, penny arcade uh, game by the way and i think it's a, a very good introduction for somebody who would want to see what the tabletop game looks like that a, a, you were an excellent uh, keeper as well oh well thanks very much i mean i I tried my best and hopefully it came over, but no, that's that's good to hear. And yeah, yeah. And the whole point was to try and, you know, just sort of demonstrate that it's a fairly easy game to play. It's quick to get into and uh, hopefully is engaging and, and fun. Now, there's also a video game uh, that's been released. Uh, what is your relationship or Chaosium's relationship to that? And can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, this the the Call of Cthulhu um, computer game um, is um, is 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 basically a uh, you know an adventure where you play you know you're playing a private detective in the adventure and go through uh, what is essentially very similar to a you know a tabletop scenario. Um, and so, uh, what our involvement is that the game because it's you know it's based on Call of Cthulhu is a, is licensed by Chaosium. Um, you know, we worked with the computer design house to uh, to get the game together. Uh, you know, we, we worked with them initially in terms of, you know, looking over their initial kind of concepts and their, their kind of plot ideas and just kind of, you know, helping to um, to um, to develop those as need be. And they had some really good ideas that didn't need a lot of change. And, um, you know, we helped to kind of, you know, just uh, push that together. It, it helped great, a great deal that uh, one of our old-time Call of Cthulhu uh, writers, Mark Morrison, 
uh, we actually put them in touch with him to to actually write the actual you know script and scenario for the for the online for the sorry computer game play. So you know we knew Mark, we knew he was a, a very you know trusted pair of hands, and so Mark did a great job in kind of crafting a scenario, which was then kind of translated into the video game. So we've had a kind of a close involvement, but but fairly hands off. Obviously, we're not coders, we're not you know computer game designers with you know tabletop game designers so um you know we we helped them with their initial ideas they went off and did the work and then and then started to show us visuals and things like that which uh, you know we were you know we kind of um checked and said they all look great carry on so uh it's been you know very much their own project with a you know a little bit of uh, assistance from us as, as and when they needed it uh but ultimately you know it's a, it's a licensed product for call of cthulhu and uh it presents the game in a you know a different format and maybe you know reaches people that have never really come across tabletop role playing before or uh, you know and gives them a kind of a, a taste kind of experience of that kind of mystery and horror um, that you know if they like then you know there's plenty of other computer games that do that kind of thing that they can go on to but if that really kind of itches them uh, then you know they can always um, seek out the tabletop and give that a go perhaps. Now. How do you feel some of the Lovecraft, not all of the Lovecraft uh, stories are in the public domain, but some of them, how how has that affected the game in terms of licensing versus public domain works and so on and so forth? Yeah, li- licensing and public domain are very kind of complicated issues. Um, but um, suffice to say... Um, Chaosium has always tried to do the right thing and, and tried to ensure that if we're using or if we wish to use a particular writer's uh, creations in, in our games, that we, you know, we contact the writer or their estate and, and try to work with them. Um, you know, we, 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 not, we don't want to be using creations we have no rights to use. Um, so we spend a lot of time ensuring that our agreements are up to date, uh, you know, renegotiating them as, as and when necessary. Um, and um, in terms of Lovecraft himself, um, for a time his work wasn't public domain, but um, some years ago, it uh, most most of it, not all of it, as you correctly say, uh, did enter the public domain. Uh, so you have seen a kind of a, a, a plethora of um, Lovecraftian-inspired kind of games, whether they're you know other types of role-playing games or board games, card games, so on, uh, come out. Um, some you know some more successful than others, I guess. Um, the thing with Call of Cthulhu is, you know, we we the game is based on the game was based and its origination was inspired by Lovecraft's creations, um, and you know that still remains true. However, you know, with the game thirty five years old, Lovecraft only wrote a limited amount of stories, and obviously there's only a limited amount of scenarios you can get out of those. Um, so obviously, you know, we need more and. Um, there's two ways of doing that. Obviously, a, a role-playing writer can come up with something new themselves, which is obviously the case of many of the books we publish. Um, but we also get inspired by other authors. And uh, obviously, there's a lot of contemporary authors to Lovecraft, the kind of Lovecraft circle of, you know, Robert E. Howard, Clark Ashton Smith, Robert Block, and so on, um, who also wrote uh, mythos stories or horror stories or weird fiction that is equally inspiring. And so over the years, you know, different authors' creations have inspired or been directly, you know, pulled into the game uh, to different degrees. And um, so, you know, currently we've, you know, we've been working to uh, 
uh, with more modern day authors like uh, Ramsey Campbell, who um, started out with his first book being published by Arkham House and, you know, now is a very successful, uh, um, very uh, well-renowned uh, horror writer. Um, you know, we have a we have a direct you know licensing agreement with with uh, Ramsey Campbell to to be able to use his creations, whereas another you know another another publisher uh, yeah, probably doesn't doesn't have that. Which is why you know Lord Colour Theory is popular because you know we have the licenses in place um, and um, are able to you know our our authors are able to you know utilize those creations in their own imagining to create you know scenarios and so on. Um, it's, it's always a complicated thing. Obviously, you know, uh, we do get people asking us what, you know, what, what can I use? What can I use? And our, our, you know, our response is normally saying, well, you've got to do your research. You know, don't don't assume that just because it's in one of our books, anyone else can use it. Because obviously there's a lot of kind of uh, Cthulhu mythos creations that were invented by Chaosium, not by anyone else. You know, we, you know, we and our authors created them. And so technically, you know, we we own those. Um, whereas, um, you know, things like Cthulhu itself and Azathoth were created by Lovecraft and um, are more kind of easily kind of usable in that sense because they are deemed to be in the public domain uh, nowadays. Um, but it is a it's a complicated subject and not one that is easily summed up in, <laughs> in a couple Fair of Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Now... You said you were brought to the Lovecraft mythos through the game. Would you talk about what are some of your favorite parts of the Lovecraft mythos? Who you think extends it well? No, sure. I mean, um, Lovecraft wrote, you know, quite, you know, quite varied, um, a lot of stories. Um, I think most would agree that some are more successful than others. Uh, and in terms of the high points, in terms of the Cthulhu Mythos stories, I think, uh, you know, my personal favourites are things like the Dunwich Horror, the um, at the Mountains of Madness and the Colour Out of Space are all, you know, uh, are all kind of top class kind of, you know, uh, uh, stories about the, you know, about the, the, the Cthulhu Mythos in that, in that sense. And, and, you know, particular stories that have inspired, you know, uh, various kind of points in the game as well um the it, it, in terms of lovecraft obviously he's a problematic figure in it, and, and, and you know it, it it kind of goes without saying but needs to be said that you know in life uh lovecraft was um not necessarily a pleasant person he, you know he did help held some very distasteful views uh and certainly you know could be classed as a racist by our kind of terminology um but but so can many other historical fiction authors and creatives the same, uh, which isn't to you know excuse Lovecraft in any way. But um, but what we can do is we can draw inspiration from his creations without, you know, acknowledging the man's you know personal beliefs, um, which I think is always important to say that, you know, we can uh, we can draw inspiration from all sorts of sources. And sometimes those sources aren't always 100 percent compatible with the way that we you know, we would like to view the world today. Um, but in terms of people that have expanded the the kind of the, the Cthulhu mythos as a as a catch-all, uh, obviously there are you know, there's numerous authors. You know, at the time, you know, um, Clark Ashton Smith um, wrote you know some really cool, very fun stories uh, that included elements of the mythos and are always worth checking out. Um, but into the modern day, you know, I've mentioned Ramsey Campbell, who continues to write 
great kind of mythos fiction as well as you know as well as non mythos fiction and uh, is well worth checking out uh there are joe pulver um and there's 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 many <laughs> just book Cthulhu into amazon and you will find a load of anthologies with a load of great authors um but um what's been happening in the last few years is some kind of reinterpretation of lovecraft um you know through different cultural views um so things like the ballad of black tom um Ark, uh, arkham Con no lovecraft country uh, are particularly you know particular examples of uh, new insights and new takes on on the mythos um which kind of goes some way to kind of reinterpret and and, and answer back lovecraft's racism um which are you know are well worth uh, well worth a read um there's authors like laird Barron, who uh is a fantastic you know written some fantastic short stories and novels which are aren't you know, you might say aren't technically, you know, they don't use the names of the Cthulhu mythos. You won't find Cthulhu in there, but are steeped in that kind of um, law and um, and are, you know, very easy bedfellows with the Cthulhu mythos. You know, certainly inspired and, and taken inspiration from from the kind of the wider um, role of weird fiction over the last sort of century. Uh, and so some of Laird Barron's material, like the Croning novel and so on, uh, are um, are well worth you know well worth looking at and certainly provide fantastic inspiration for when you're thinking about designing your own kind of scenarios for these kind of games. What are, what are some future uh, directions uh, for or for the game? What do you have coming out on the road uh, down the road uh, and for you yourself as well? Yeah, sure. Um, We've um, we very recently released the um, Call of Cthulhu starter set, which is a box set. Um, the main core rule book is quite a large book, big, heavy kind of hardback, which um, is great if you're well into the game and you know you, you're, you're an existing role player and so on, and um, you know it's it's uh, you know you can go through it like butter. But um, but for new people, because Call of Cthulhu is one of one of those handful of games that are gateway games. I mean, we do get people who have never role-played before coming to tabletop role-playing through Call of Cthulhu, just like Dungeons and Dragons does. Um, so we wanted to ensure there was a product that was very accessible, very quick to pick up and play, um, that that was you know ideal for that kind of uh, person who was, you know, maybe has uh, either no or little role-playing experience, but has heard of Call of Cthulhu and wants to give it a try. So that that's come out recently and has been doing very well and and has very has has had some very favourable uh, reviews, um, but at the minute we've got um, just about to um, come out in print. We have got uh, a source book for uh, Berlin in um, set in the 1920s in the Weimar Republic era. So it's a whole source book uh, around the city of Berlin in the prime kind of Call of Cthulhu era. Uh, that details the city, its characters, its places, includes um, numerous kind of scenario hooks and seeds, as well as three uh, very detailed and um, engrossing kind of scenarios that showcase different aspects of Berlin society, whether that be cabaret society, the, the kind of the uh, the crazy kind of polit political groups that were going on and, and so on. And so that's uh, that's just about to come out in print. And uh, that's being followed by Shadows Over Stillwater, which is a, uh, a campaign set in the Wild West, which is a, a follow up to our Wild West setting book, which is um, Down Darker Trails by Kevin Ross. And um, 
that that basically provides you everything you need to know if you want to kind of move your games you know uh not you know not play them in the 1920s or modern day and you want to kind of play them in the uh, in the old west setting uh so you know whether you're a, a you know a pioneer a cowboy a, a pinkerton agent or whatever it may be um you know provides you a kind of a, a a setting and a land based on the real old west where you know uh strange things are happening and so uh shadows of a Stillwater is a full campaign that kind of um you know really takes the west by the throat and and kind of uh gives lots of uh great gameplay for that um and then the next one out after that will be um a cold fire within which is uh, another campaign actually which is a short campaign which is um for pulp cthulhu um and which is a, a kind of a a kind of uh, additional kind of collection of optional rules uh, for the core Call of Cthulhu game, where, where as I explained earlier, uh, Call of Cthulhu you know deals with you know normal human people who are fairly weak and so on. Uh, Pulp Cthulhu kind of is very much you know takes the um, takes the kind of Robert E. Howard kind of pulp kind of sensibilities, kind of Indiana Jones and so on, uh, and kind of. Um, you know, fits that into into Call of Cthulhu gameplay. So the characters, while still being human, are 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 more heroic in the sense of they are set up to be a little bit tougher. Uh, they can survive um, uh, encounters a little bit more strongly than your average Call of Cthulhu character. And so the emphasis is much more on kind of action and pacing, um, and less and less of the slow burn kind of horror build that you have in a you're more likely to find in a, in a normal call of Cthulhu scenario and the cold fire within kind of really takes that premise and uh, it deals with um time traveling minds who are trying to alter the course of history and uh, um, um, involves you know the uh the investigators uh basically following a bunch of uh crazed kind of um political types into the center of the earth and uh, dealing with what they find therein, um, which is a big kind of uh, bundle of fun, basically. So uh, that, they're the next ones on the uh, on the kind of table. Um, we've you know got plenty of books um, in process. I'm, I'm working, <laughs> tend to be working on about 20 books at any one time in terms of in various states of uh, development. But um, but that's that's what's on the table at the moment. Well, Mike Mason. Thank you very much for a very interesting conversation. Have a good day. Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me. It's been a pleasure.